It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Silver Bullets podcast. I am Michael Citro. And I'm Chip Minnick. And Chip, we, uh, we've had a football game since you and I last spoke, an Ohio State football game of sorts. It was uh, the spring game, of course. And you were there with some of your family. That's correct. Uh, yeah, I was one of the 75,122. Um, my daughter, uh, who is a, a proud uh, student at Ohio State, um, one of my sons, um, came with me as well. One of my son's close friends. And then my wife has family in the Columbus area. So a couple of her cousins. So, I mean, it was, it was a nice little, I guess you could say family and friend gathering, um, uh, as well as, uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention a couple of my high school friends who live in the Columbus area joined us as well. So good time. Yeah. Sounds like a good time was had by all. Absolutely. All right. What did you think of the format this year? The offense versus defense being the scarlet versus gray. Honestly, I mean, I, I still kind of, I, I, I miss the, the old dividing up the team, like in a player draft, but I I understand the rationale Mm -hmm. that, uh, that Ryan day and the coaching staff, uh, why they did this. I, I, you know, I respect the fact that they also, the 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 number one uh, thing of any uh, of any spring game is you want to come out of it without any injuries and it seemed unless 
Ohio State has really uh, bottled this up. Um, I didn't see any. I haven't. I haven't read of any. So that mission was accomplished. And I certainly understand, you know, like the creative scoring methods that they use to try and make it a little interesting with regards to the defense and as well as the offense. Yeah, I thought it was a little lopsided with the scoring in terms of uh, giving the defense a lot of leeway in terms of points. Like, um, I don't remember how many points it was for a three and out, but that seemed like um, it seemed like you're going to get some three and outs when you're talking about new quarterbacks and uh, you know not having some of your top players out there because that's another thing that has become a spring game tradition is like some guys sit out completely. Um, whether they're nursing injuries or, you know, maybe just need the rest or, or even if they're healthy, they may only play a few plays. So it's not like it used to be back when you and I had all of our hair and, (laughs) and, you know, it was an actual football game that was played and people tackled each other and that kind of thing. But, and then of course, that's the other thing that really helps the defense is that you have that, uh, rule about the three and out and you don't even have to touch you don't even have to tackle the quarterback just to touch him some of the running backs sometimes don't have to get completely tackled um so it, it was a little bit unfairly weighted and then on top of that you're calling quarterback runs that is a sure way to get three and outs and give the defense some points exactly i i mean i i'm not sure if you or our listeners have seen any of the other uh, spring games that have since you know taken place and within the Big Ten, um, a few happened you know the other day. Um, you know happened to glance, and I know that Michigan had theirs at the beginning. They they had quarterbacks live. I mean, like they mm-hmm. did not hold back on letting their quarterbacks uh, take hits. Now, I'm not saying that okay, you know, like good for Ohio State or bad for Ohio State. I I as I said a few moments ago, I respect the logic of, you know, why Ryan Day, you know, when you think of like a year ago, Mitchell Melton, I mean, it wasn't even a a contact on the knee. I mean, he tore his ACL and was out for the, for the year. So I understand why there's always a little bit of concern and caution as it relates to the spring game. Uh, But to your point about (laughs) quarterback runs, especially if you're not going to make them live, you know, it kind of, you know, like you said, I think it aided the defense. It's a wasted play call. I mean, you may as well play Canadian rules and give them three downs. Uh, <laughs> Not good. Very good point. The whole point of of that is obviously you don't want to have an injury, but honestly, the, the the whole thing about you know not wanting to get an injury is this is this um is the PR of it is like you look bad if your quarterback gets hurt because he was live in a spring game, and that's really the only thing. Because Chip, remind me, does scared money make money? No, it does not. No, it doesn't make money. <laughs> Scared money don't make money, so you may as well just play. I mean, the kid could break an ankle stepping off the curb on High Street. Um, things happen. Uh, you, I don't think you can just bubble wrap everybody and, and hope that everything's okay. Because I mean, you look at um, I'm writing a story about Evan Pryor for this week, and and uh, he's a guy who got hurt a couple weeks before the season started. I mean, if they had babied him in the spring game, he still would have been out for the season. That's true. And uh, again, you know, we're not part of the, I guess you could say the, you know, like the, the beat writer contingents that that's in Columbus that, uh, you know, there were a few Saturday scrimmages where, I mean, there was tackling. Um, I I think the quarterbacks were still off limits, but um, 
a little bit more of a physical nature um, than what we saw in the spring game. So, yeah, I, your your point is 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 valid. I think you know at some point you have to. I mean, it, uh, unfortunately, football is it's a violent sport uh, that you have to basically just kind of acknowledge the fact that okay, there, there's always the possibility of injury, but as you said, it, it can happen at any point. Um, you know, and I think you get a better feel for what your team has or what they don't have uh, when you kind of play it a little bit more like what they might encounter in a regular game. Yeah, I think so. And, um, but you know, still it's always good to see the guys out there playing and, and getting a good look at some of the youngsters and stuff. And, and uh, so I'm just going to ask you to start out. Cause I, I wrote about this, but who flashed for you, you know, which players sort of stood out and, and impressed you in the spring game? Well, I will say when it comes to um, defensively, you know, it, it, in terms of, for one thing, I thought that the the defense certainly seemed improved. Um, CJ Hicks uh, had a couple near interceptions. Uh, you know, when we talk about the fact that CJ Hicks is one of these guys who last year, he primarily contributed on, on special teams this spring with, uh, Tommy Eichenberg sitting out, you know, again, kind of recuperating from um, from last year and, you know, being withheld from from contact. And then right near the end of the spring, Steel Chambers was also out. Uh, C.J. Hicks, I thought, demonstrated that he is certainly a player that, if not necessarily starting, I would have no concern whatsoever about him filling in for either of the linebackers in the event that either of them were, were not available. I'm also hoping that maybe there will be more of a rotation at the linebackers based on the fact that CJ Hicks played well. And I, not to presume too much, but uh, Jim Knowles did say that CJ Hicks will get a look at the Jack position, you know, kind of like that hybrid linebacker slash defensive end pass rusher, um, more so this summer and in the fall camp. So CJ Hicks definitely caught my eye in terms of being around the ball and kind of demonstrating uh, a lot of the, the hype that preceded him, uh, you know, prior to last year. I agree. He was one of the players that I spotlighted as a, as a guy who stood out to me. And, um, you know, like you, for all the reasons you said, I, I think that he's a, a player that can be a difference maker this year. He came in, um, pretty highly touted. So I, I, I want to see him. He only figured in six tackles officially, but it, it just felt like he made more plays than that. He, he had broke up some passes. Always seemed to be right on the cusp of a big play, like a turnover. So uh, he was one of the guys that, that stood out. I thought that uh, I saw more, I think from chip Tranum than, than I thought that I would see. I, I think he was amazing in this game and, and showed that maybe he's a little more quick and a little stronger this year. I agree. And considering, you know, for example, the, I, I, I'm just going to say, you know, like the projected depth chart, I mean, you can, I mean, it's obviously we're, we're going to be probably seeing the, the dreaded or um, when it comes to Mayan Williams or Travion Henderson, uh, Mayan Williams played, but very sparingly again, trying to kind of reduce the amount of hits that he was taking uh, you know, he he played a little, um, you know, Travion Henderson didn't play, but, you know, he's been since cleared for, for contact uh, going into fall camp, which is a good thing. 
But to your point, I think Chip Traianum is certainly going to be in the mix. Uh, we'll see, you know, how much Ohio State rotates carries. Um, but I think when you when I think of the style of play that Chip Traianum demonstrated in the spring game, and and even going back last year um, when he had that kind of surprise start against Michigan at the at the end of the year, uh, he has a similar physical style of running. Com, you know, comparable to to Mayan Williams. So I think it's a it's a good thing that Ohio State has not only uh, Mayan Williams but somebody like Chip Traynum on the roster. Like you said, uh, it seems like he's faster, but he certainly still carries that physical style of play that I think Ohio State needs, especially within the Big Ten. There was uh, it seemed like there was a real attempt to make some more passes to the running backs than we normally see from a Ryan day offense. Were you, were you thinking that's just a spring game thing? Were you thinking that that is a, a thing that happens when, um, you know, unsure quarterbacks can't find somebody down the field. So they dump it off. What do you think of the passes out of the backfield to the running backs in this game? I think it's a, it's a little of, what a little of both. I mean, I mean, you know, like some somewhat of a spring game. I also think the fact that I mean, we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, the offensive line concerns um, that, you know, the fact that, all right, if you don't have a lot of time to let a pass play uh, fully develop, uh, you know, the opportunity to, you know, see, you know, like the, you know, all of your different options, that little check down option is always a good thing. At least it's positive. So I think I, I think there's a little bit of everything in there. I think the fact that uh, when it comes to Kyle McCord and you know Tristan Jebbia was was playing uh, more you know probably than we will see in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nope. as a, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't. He and in my in my estimation, he didn't play poorly when he did. No, he um, didn't play poorly. But we we did didn't mention that Devin Brown was out for this game. With right, him. right. So Devin Brown should be back. Um, you know, so that, that quarterback battle will resume, but I definitely think, you know, hitting, uh, getting the, the running backs as viable receiving options is something that, uh, we certainly could see this fall. And would like to see it quite frankly, because, uh, if you get Travion Henderson into some space, uh, he's somebody that can make a difference. We didn't, didn't see a real uh, ability to catch the ball from Mayan Williams throughout his career so far. And maybe Dallin Hayden so far is a mixed bag, although he had some catches in the spring game, but it, you know, Chip Tranum is a guy who can maybe catch the ball out of the backfield and, and a guy who didn't play a lot of people sleeping on Evan Pryor, who probably can catch the ball out of the backfield and make things happen. One of those, you know, sort of the prototypical old NFL third down back types. Exactly. Uh, you know, and that's the thing is, is that I think having just another tool in your, in your tool bag, so to speak offensively, I think it just gives the the defenses something more that they have to, that they have to prepare for and possibly account for. Well, you mentioned CJ Hicks on the defensive side, anybody on the offensive side, catch your eye in this game. I would be remiss if I didn't say that Carnell Tate, <laughs> the, uh, the, the hype, around Carnell tight uh, Tate is is certainly warranted uh you know now I have to remind myself that the reason why he played as much as he did was because of the fact that 
All right, a lot of the projected starters were withheld. You know, Emeka Guka, uh, Julian Fleming. Uh, now we did see, you know, some of Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, but I think Carnell Tate, as an early enrollee freshman, the fact that he's had his black stripe removed, uh, that you know, all of the reports that we were seeing on social media about how he was turning heads, I think that he certainly looks like he has a bright future in, in Ohio state. Okay. I also liked, I know it was late in the game. I like chase Brecht in this game. <laughs> I thought he was fantastic. This kid ran hard. He took advantage of his, maybe his one shining moment playing in the horseshoe and didn't want to go down. He was, you had guys piled up on top of him and didn't want to go down. And, uh, uh, he caught, Made made an amazing catch out of the backfield along the sideline. It probably should have been picked off, but uh, you like to see it. You always there's always a hero that you don't expect, and I think Chase Brecht was the hero of this game that we didn't expect. No, the reason the reason I I laugh is because I think you and I both know you know when it comes to those walk ons, the spring game usually is that one shining moment. It's not. I'm not saying that it's the only shining moment but more than more often than not this is kind of the opportunity for those for those walk-ons to kind of get that fan recognition uh for an opportunity to demonstrate and and you're right chase Brack, he really sees that opportunity uh hopefully there will be you know some kind of a, a chance for chase Brack to get a carry or a reception or both mm-hmm. in a game sometime when it actually matters you know so he kind of goes in the official stat book yeah, work him in there somewhere. He's like I said in my column, I think he's a kid that if he if he played for Purdue or Northwestern, he could have a thousand yard season. I agree. No, he would you're get that opportunity. Correct. He would get the chances, he would get the carries. Yeah. I mean, the 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 unfortunate thing for Chase Breck, I mean, we were just talking about Chip Traianum. Um, when you look at that depth chart, okay, again, Mayan Williams, Travion Henderson. By my estimation, I would probably say Chip Traianum's third. Dallin Hayden fourth, mm-hmm. and you mentioned earlier uh, earlier in the podcast Evan Pryor going into fall campus fifth. All right, so where are we going to find carries? You know, for for Brecht, I'm not saying that we won't, but it's it just seems like it, it would have to be in one of those hopeful blowout games. You know, late in the late in the contest that he would get an opportunity to come in and contribute. Playing, maybe he'll maybe yeah maybe he'll get to play on special teams. We'll see. Play, play a MAC team and. Uh get up by 30 or 40 points and give them a carry or two. Right. Well, I mean, Youngstown state is game two, unfortunately. So we're talking below a Mac team. And let's not forget that in his one real opportunity, TC Caffey, another walk on had a really great game or half a game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, and he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, I have, I have nothing but respect for the walk-ons for the simple fact that, you know, when, I mean, you just referenced you know, TC Caffey, he was a guy who had scholarship offers to other schools, turn them down to become a walk-on last year against Toledo had that, that very impressive run late in the contest, unfortunately suffered injury. So wasn't available for most of the season. And, and I, I believe he's still recovering. Uh, so he wasn't in the spring game. Um, but yeah, it's, it's those kind of, those kind of moments and, and players that you, that you root for 
uh, especially like, again, when, when you see them demonstrate it, even in the spring game, like you're kind of hoping that they'll get further opportunities to play uh, if the, you know, like when the, when the games are for real. Yeah. And my, um, my other guy that I had uh, picked was, uh, was Jaden Ballard. I thought Jaden Ballard flashed for me. He was sort of, uh, he's one of those guys that's like next in the mix uh, behind the, you know, the big three of, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison, who obviously played well when he was in there. Uh, Emeka Buka who did not play and Julian Fleming who did not play. Uh, this was um, probably Ballard is, is next on that list. And I, I really am. He's got that tantalizing speed. He's got good size. He's almost like a poor man's Marvin Harrison. I hate to call him that because that's not really all that respectful. But uh, uh, I thought Jaden Ballard flashed for me. He does. And I would agree with you. I think the the phrase that you used a moment ago, tantalizing speed, that I think this spring was crucial for him to show that, okay, he can be more than just a deep threat. That That's not to minimize the, the importance or, or the, the significance of that, but the fact that, okay, he can, he can probably run other routes than just, you know, <laughs> you know, like the, the, the nine route, you know, like yeah. that he, he can, he can do other things. And I think he demonstrated that throughout the spring. And like you said, flash that in the spring game. Yeah. I caught some balls along the sideline and those are going to be, you know, the types of, of catches that, keep drives alive exactly all right so the gray wins it again but of course the, the gray was just the defense and they they had all the uh the elements in their favor it was a, a valiant comeback attempt by scarlet um you left the stadium what were your thoughts walking out on what you had just seen that ohio state will be a good team i don't want to say that they will be a great team uh that would be I think highly presumptuous. Uh, I like you um, have seen many a spring game. Um, I don't think uh, there was anyone who even when we were talking about players who flashed. I don't think we have to worry about anyone kind of um, having that Bam Childress moment, uh, you know, in the spring game, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, ne- never to be really thought of or contemplated again. Uh, I would say that I, I wouldn't, necessarily put it on a scale of uh okay disaster is imminent but you know <laughs> let, let's 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 say that you know there's definitely some some cautionary concern about the offensive line specifically the offensive tackles uh mm-hmm. knowing going into going into the spring i was i was surprised that uh josh fryer was moved to left tackle, I I genuinely thought okay, Zen Mahalski was the projected left tackle behind Paris Johnson, and lo and behold, at the be- very beginning of spring practice, Josh Fryer was at left, Zen Mahalski's in a battle with Tegra Shabola at right, and throughout the spring game, I don't care who the quarterback was, it could have been Kyle McCord, it could have been Tristan Jebbia. They when they would drop back to pass, there were often times where they were, you know, running for their lives. I mean, they were fortunate again that they you know, that it wasn't a real game, so they weren't necessarily going to be tackled. Um, so that would be the one thing that I would say is definitely going to be, be keeping up. Uh, I'll say Justin Fry uh, because he's <laughs> he's the offensive line coach, but Ryan Day is certainly going to be, you know 
wanting to get that rectified before kickoff uh, in Bloomington, uh, that first game against Indiana. Another reason to throw the ball to the running backs, uh, get that thing out quickly. Yeah, and I also speculated even before the spring game in one of the articles for Land Grant Holy Land in terms of when I was my position rankings, I had the offensive line first uh, just based on the fact that, okay, when you lose 60% of your of your starters. I mean, let's face it. I mean, that that's going to be there's going to be some growing pains and we we saw glimpses of that in the spring game. To your point, I wouldn't be surprised. We just talked about the the abundant depth and talent at the running back position that maybe in an effort to kind of ease the burden on the offensive line that maybe they will try to incorporate more of the running game this season to try and get, you know, that cohesion and chemistry among whoever winds up the the five starters, that Mm -hmm. maybe this might be a way to take some of that, some of that burden off. Obviously you can't, I I, I know that uh, Woody Hayes would be, would be all in favor of it uh, if he was able to have a voice in it, but uh, to be able to to run predominantly can't do that nowadays, but um, let's see, you know, what, what Ohio State does, you know, as we were recording this in the latter part of April between now and the beginning of August when fall camp picks up, like if if they're going to try to possibly look for talent in the transfer portal, uh, if they're going to possibly shuffle some of the players around to see if that might better suit, better serve their needs. Yeah. And it's always hard to, it's hard to really process what you're seeing when those offensive linemen are going up against Ohio State defensive linemen because most of the guys they're going to block are not as good as the ones they're blocking in that game. So uh, it was uh, it was a spring game. It was a big practice. That's all it was. But uh, it's over now, and we got no football until the season starts. So it's the long, uh, dark tea time of the uh, <laughs> of the college football year. As it it is. It is, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that uh, the football gods definitely were smiling upon Ohio State. You know, as the fact that um, as we're recording this, like I said, it's late April, but I can assure you that up here in the Cleveland, Ohio area, as we're recording this, it is about forty something degrees on game day for the spring game. It was a beautiful day. I mean, it was sunny. It was seventy. It was. Um, I genuinely was surprised that, uh, the, the stands, I mean, even though Ohio state has 75,000 for let's face it, you know, like, you know, it, a, a meaningless scrimmage, uh, they, you know, they were truly fortunate <laughs> when I think of like the fact that like, just, you know, like a week later, you know, the, the weather could have been much, much worse. Um, you know, looking around, like I said, at, for example, like the Nebraska spring game, Wisconsin, I mean, they had, like I said, you know, 40 degrees, Wisconsin even had snow flurries. So not obviously we're Ohio state fans were used to in the latter part of the season going through that. But I think for the spring game, you always want to, especially when it comes to the recruits that they had in attendance, you always want to put your best foot forward. So the fact that they had such a beautiful day to showcase Ohio stadium to the, to the recruits and to the nation, you know, that was watching it on big 10 network. It was, I I couldn't have asked for a better day. All right. Well, spring game is now behind us, Chip. 
but we've got other things that we want to talk about. We're going to get to those topics right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. And we're back, Chip. And uh, the NFL draft is coming up as we record this. So uh, let's get into it, man. What is going on with the with the Buckeyes? I've seen I've seen one projection that has something like four Buckeyes in the first eight picks, eight, nine picks. Um, I've seen CJ Stroud's going first overall. I've seen CJ Stroud's going to be the third quarterback picked. Obviously, that's the biggest talking point is where does CJ Stroud go? How how are you seeing this? What are the latest murmurs up there in the Buckeye State? I will tell you that um I I without a doubt, I feel sorry for all of the slander being thrown and hurled at in CJ Stroud's direction. Mm-hmm. It it perplexes me. Um I definitely believe that CJ Stroud will be taken within i mean the draft begins at eight o'clock eastern on thursday night um bare minimum with with 10 minutes uh for a selection i think cj stroud will know by 8 30 um you know at the latest i i can't imagine uh that it's it's going to be you know that long i i would have like a a few weeks ago i would have bet that Carolina was going to take him first right now. The U S in terms of like what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing sounds like Bryce young is the prohibitive favor right now. Like by Vegas odds makers to be the top selection, nothing against Bryce young. I would have reservations about the fact that not only he's a little bit shorter, but he's, I mean, he's, he's barely 200 pounds. Um, I would think CJ Stroud would, would be the obvious selection. That being the case, I if not if not selected by Houston, I think some team will make a deal with the Houston Texans to take CJ Stroud second. I don't know what team that I mean, it could be as simple as uh the Indianapolis Colts making a a move to swap from from four up to two. Uh I've seen rumors about the the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know if they have the draft capital to make a move, but um I definitely think CJ Stroud's going in the top two picks. All right. Uh, yeah, you're right about Bryce Young. It's uh, it's hard to imagine him surviving a hit from Indomitian Sue. <laughs> um, you know, he might be surprising. He might be really way more durable than we think. So we'll we'll have to see how it it goes. Yeah, I was really not happy about that whole cognitive test erroneous report that got out there about C.J. Stroud, and and 
it's funny the games that people play uh, when it comes to the draft these days. But uh, you know, the the bottom line is, if you pass on a good player, you run the risk of that player hurting you, being in your division and hurting you for many years to come. So, uh, I think it was uh, this the uh, the story came out the other day that uh, when uh, it was Nick Bosa that uh, visited the Cardinals and said, "You're going to take that little quarterback, and I'm going to make you regret it." Exactly. Yes, <laughs> exactly. I mean, I just think I, you know, that it's a, it's a kind of thing. I'm sure you've heard the expression that overanalysis leads to paralysis mm-hmm. and it comes to, when it comes to these NFL personnel, you know, people, uh, you know, like the general managers, the coaches that, you know, I mean, you can, you can have the most beautiful diamond um, you know, in your hand, but you know, if you look and if you, if you look close enough, you'll find a flaw. I mean, like you, I mean, like it's a kind of thing. And I'm not trying to say that CJ Stroud is perfect by any stretch. It just seems to me that they are looking for, they're looking for reasons not to pick CJ Stroud when the reality is that his, his body of work especially in the the bigger games, you know, like he, he saved the best for last against the eventual national champion. I mean, he gave them all that they could handle. Even their coach Kirby smart said at the conclusion of the, of the peach bowl that Ohio state deserved to win that that was largely on the, on the efforts of CJ Stroud. So that's a team that is loaded with, with future NFL talent. Um, So in my opinion, if I was Carolina, I would feel better about drafting CJ Stroud. I think Bryce Young is talented, but as I said, I would have concerns about just basically, you know, the like like you said, you know, the fact that I mean he's he's barely 200 pounds. He's he's um I think not even six foot. Um yes, he's talented, but I would I, I'd have more concerns. I think it would make more sense to take CJ Stroud, but obviously I'm biased. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. Stroud's last uh, dress rehearsal for the draft was to carve up the nation's best defense uh, on a national stage. Uh, and um, that's that's what you take away. And then you go look at what he's done since then is he went his pro day in the combine and performed very well. So um, anything other than the guy can play football really is immaterial in my book. You know, there's there's something to be said if guys have. um you know, if guys have uh, you know character issues, but we've we've never heard of a character issue with CJ Stroud. No, none at all. I think you know that they try to like like I said, they try to ridicule his ability based on the fact that okay, well, look at the receivers that he plays with, and I know we're going to talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba here momentarily. Um, like you just said, he carved up you know, the, the national, the eventual national champion, their defense with a spectacular performance, if anything, you know, he kind of, I would think that he gave NFL scouts and general managers and other personnel people more things, positive things to contemplate the fact that he demonstrated his mobility, something that you and I, you know, had been wanting him to do in other games throughout his career at Ohio state. Uh, But if, if they want to, you know, try to, to find, you know, some reason again, you know, like you said, this, this perceived cognitive assessment 
um, or the fact that he plays, you know, in an offensive scheme that that showcases his talent. I like, again, I think you're I think you're manufacturing reasons that, quite frankly, don't need to don't need to take place. Yeah, you know, hold against him that his teammates were good when, uh, you know, he's still putting it on them. He still has to make the read. He still has to make the throw. So, you know. Uh, Presumably, he's going to be playing with very good receivers in the NFL. So I don't, I don't understand that as a criticism. You mentioned Jackson Smith and Jigba. Here's a guy who missed basically his whole senior season or his whole his whole final season in college. Where are you hearing now that he will end up? Because you know there there's some concern coming off the injury. He hasn't he hasn't put anything on tape in a while. Uh, what, what's the consensus or, or what are you hearing as the consensus of where Jackson Smith and Jigba might fall? I think he's going to definitely go somewhere between 10 to 20. Um, that's not to say, I mean, it, I've, I've seen like you, I've seen, um, him going in the top 10, uh, you know, some teams, you know, for example, like the Atlanta Falcons, I believe pick eighth overall in the first round is a, is a possibility. Um, some people are saying of the possibility of Chicago, which would reunite him with Justin Fields, which I'm sure would make Justin Fields happy. Um, but I would just believe that he is the kind of player that somewhere between that 10 to 20 range that would be, again, you know, it's unfortunate that he didn't get a chance to showcase uh, this this past year what he can do. But what he did do when he was on the field, I think certainly justifies his ranking as, as probably the best wide receiver in this draft. And I, I think some team will, will select him definitely in the, in probably in that 10 to 20 range. Yeah. The, the Rose bowl will live in infamy. Uh, he, he just absolutely destroyed Utah's defense. Um, he, again, here's a guy that you, you just, if you need a receiver and you pass on him, you're going to regret it. You're going to wish you hadn't. And the biggest, the biggest evidence of that probably are the two guys that preceded him into the NFL, uh, Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, the offensive rookie of the year. And Chris Olave was right on his tail. Uh, both of them will tell you JSN is a better wide receiver than I am. So, uh, you know, you take two of the top rookies in the entire league both telling you this guy's better than we are and you're not going to believe them. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, I, I mean, wide receiver is always um, with the exception of, um, you know, uh, like you said, Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, um, you know, like a lot of times there's, there's usually a transition period from the college game to the NFL uh, that neither Wilson or Olave, they did, they didn't miss a beat. Um, so that's a credit you know, to Ohio state and the coaching that they received and and the kind of program that they run. So like you said, I think JSN is ready-made for the NFL. It just, all it's going to take is that one team to either trade up or be fortunate enough to have him uh, be there on the board for, for them when their time comes to, to make that pick. Yeah. Now my team has uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and I would still like to have Jackson Smith and Jigba. I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the the Cleveland Browns are sitting out, unfortunately, the first and second round uh, due to 
uh, trades that they have made. I mean, they they're they're in year two of forking over draft selections to the Houston Texans for what they you know gave up to for Deshaun Watson. Um, and then don't as exactly <laughs> exactly. Oh, I mean, last year when that when that deal was announced, I was incredulous because of the fact that. I wouldn't give up three number one draft choices for a, a you know, b- b- just about anybody, let alone somebody with such a, you know, such a checkered past to be as kind as I can possibly be. Let's call it baggage. Um, baggage. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, so the, the Cleveland Browns won't be selecting any player until the third round, which it will be on, on Friday evening. So um, I will just have to sit and, and root for all the Ohio State players to get selected into hopefully very advantageous situations. All right. Why don't we wrap up this chat with uh, the two big fellas, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson Jr. Both going to go high, I think. Um, again, I've I've seen some mocks have them both in the top 10. So where do you see the big fellas ending up in this uh, upcoming NFL draft? I think definitely Paris Johnson. I'd be surprised if Paris Johnson wasn't selected before Dewan Jones. I mean, that's just because of the fact that he plays that that premium left tackle position. Um, Dewan Jones, I see him going late in the first round. Uh, just because I mean, because he's just so massive. I mean, he's just I I can't I can't describe him as anything other than I mean, he's just you know to be you know six eight nearly 400 pounds and just, you know, and, and still surprisingly nimble on his, on his feet for, you know, a, a person of that size. I think the teams are recognizing the fact that, yeah, he doesn't play left tackle, but, you know, you can put him at right tackle and he's going to be solid in pass protection. and He's going to be a force in run blocking. So I definitely see both of them going in the first round, but I would say that I think Paris Johnson kind of comparable to what I just said about JSN, you know, possibly in the top 10, but I I've seen more that 10 to 20 range, like possibly going to Tennessee uh, being reunited with, with uh, Mike Vrabel uh, is, is a popular mock draft selection. And then uh, Dewan Jones kind of in the latter portion of the first round. I'm making Dewan Jones, my refrigerator Perry, if I draft him. <laughs> who's stopping okay. that guy who's and he's a you know he's a basketball player he can handle uh, catching the ball out of the backfield too that's true i mean you, you know the the tackle eligible would be something to see you know especially again because nobody's going to stop him like you said and if he lined up at fullback who in the world would want to get in his way <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly all right so that's pretty that's pretty good anybody else you think is gonna be a significant pick on uh thursday not on thursday i think we've covered the the four mm-hmm. um i think uh you know when it comes to the remaining ohio state players and i'm just gonna i mean just kind of throw the you know like a bunch of names like i think you know zach harrison <clears throat> luke whipler uh you know i think those guys are likely to go on you know, on Friday, I would think that like Ronnie Hickman is a possibility to go on Friday, but more than likely on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, um, you know, I, I, I think Cam Brown, uh, not doing much of anything at the, at the combine, 
you know, kind of, you know, I, the, the fact that he's had injury history, he may not get picked. Mm -hmm. Uh, If he does get picked, it'd be late. You know, those are kind of, you know, what I see, what I see happening with the NFL draft. Like I said, I'm kind of, you know, that that's definitely something that I, I make a point of watching, you know, hoping that, you know, when I, when I start to think about Ohio State names getting selected, that's how I, I kind of envision that happening. Are you a draft Nick chip? I wouldn't say a, a draft Nick. I, no. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just dying for football. Like you said, it's like, now we're, we're going, I see the, I see the, the desert that awaits after the NFL draft, you know, and just how long that, you know, I, I'm going to have to wait until, you know, we actually get to see meaningful football again. So yeah, mm-hmm. the NFL draft kind of represents that, that oasis for me. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I think my favorite part of the draft is watching is watching Mel Kuyper get absolutely apoplectic when guys that he likes aren't getting drafted high. Well, you might be seeing that on Thursday, uh, just based on what I have seen and, and heard from him as it relates to Will Levis of Kentucky. Uh, he he has Will Levis as his uh, as his quarterback, his second quarterback behind Bryce Young. And I don't believe NFL, uh, again, as we're recording this, I could be proven, I could be proven wrong. I don't think NFL people are as enthralled with Will Levis as Mel Kuyper Jr. is. So you may see him becoming apoplectic, as you say, on Thursday evening. I thought Richardson was the new, sexy new choice. They, they both are um, kind of, you know, in the sense that I think, um, when it comes to, um, you know, like the, the physical skill for lack of, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, like, you know, like Will Levis is definitely, I mean, he, he's really bulked himself up. Um, Anthony Richardson, I think just, you know, the, when you talk about the combine, you know, like he, he demonstrated, you know, tremendous arm strength. He's extremely fast. The knock I would have on both of them that if I was an NFL if I, if I was, if I was an NFL coach, um, you know, everyone knows that, that the NFL, uh, life in the NFL, especially for a head coach, I mean, is, is very precarious. I mean, you win or you win or, or you're gone. And to tie my future to either of those players would be something I wouldn't want to do. I would, I would prefer to go more with, again, like a CJ Stroud, if I had the opportunity, I, I just think that, they both are tantalizing physical skills, but you and I both know there are many a 
quarterback, <laughs> Zach Wilson, um, who gets picked higher than <laughs> should instead of, you know, the guy that actually, you know, demonstrated. That um, cough sounded a know, lot like you said, Zach Wilson. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, you know, like, you know, the New York Jets, instead of sitting there at number two, you know, Justin Fields was was right there. Instead of taking Justin Fields, they went with a guy that dazzled them with, you know, at a, at a pro day. Um, the San Francisco 49ers supposedly are contemplating trading Trey Lance. So both of those organizations have to be thinking like, what were we, what were we doing? Like when Justin Fields was right there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, it's you're like you say, it's over analysis leads paralysis. It is uh, a lot of overthinking when you, when you look at just watch the games, just watch the games and a lot will be revealed to you. There are very few players. There are some, but there are very few players who come out of nowhere and did nothing in college uh, or very little in college that just out are, are out and out stars in the NFL. It does happen, but uh, if guys can play, they can usually play. And, and if there's, if there's some legitimate reason why they won't translate that success to the NFL, that's usually a pretty obvious thing. Like, a, you know, like ability to run or, uh, uh, can't get open if it's a wide receiver or things like that. There's there's usually a tell. And some of these guys just don't believe in the tell. I agree. I like I said, I think everyone, you know, kind of uh they they get so enamored with the, the physical capabilities, they lose sight of, like you said, you know, it's like, all right, that's great that you know, this guy runs a four three forty in a, you know. At the, at the combine, unfortunately, you know, football is not played in a straight line and you're not wearing a t-shirt and shorts mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and same thing, you know, especially again, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks, you know, when it comes to, to me, I think, yeah, arm strength is, is something that you can fall in love with, but the reality is I'd rather have the guy who can fit the ball in tight windows rather than, yeah, you know, it's great that, that, that this guy has a bazooka for, for, you know, an arm, but if, if he can't hit the target, especially when pressure is bearing down, you know, it doesn't matter how hard he can throw it because I need, I need my receiver to be able to catch it. And so that, that's why I'm saying, like we were talked about some of those other quarterbacks I just think that sometimes people fall in love with the wrong things. Yeah, I agree with you. We see it every year. Uh, there's, I, I don't know how many first round draft pick quarterbacks have been busts, but that number's fairly high. Very high. Uh, whatever happened to Ryan Leaf? Well, <laughs> at least he turned his. He did turn his life around. I, I have. I, I would say that you know, compared to how it started, and for all of the pitfalls that he took not only throughout his NFL career, but, you know, after, you know, basically losing everything and, and, um, that he's clean and sober and, and kind of now, you know, on the, on the, the, the good path, so to speak. All right. Chip, did you want to talk a little bit about recruiting? We don't talk about recruiting on this show. I know we don't. I just <laughs> wanted to, uh, I mean, the, the mere fact, again, you know, you're right. We don't, we don't really talk about recruiting, but I would be remiss. And I'm just, you know, looking at some of my notes here that I think, you know, in the time 
in the time that we last spoke, that Ohio State was able to, since the beginning of April, they, they've landed six verbal commitments. Um, now, um, I don't really put too much stock in terms of, oh, this guy is a three-star or a four-star, and I realize that a lot of people will probably hear that and say, no, you really should. I'm not here to, I, my, my rationale is the Ohio State coaching staff, they are going to either win or lose based on the talent that they bring to Columbus and that they develop. And the fact that, you know, that they have identified so far that they've got four offensive linemen, I think is a step in the right direction. Um, the fact that they, they were able to get um, a couple running backs and let's talk about, you know, when it comes to like the recruiting importance, um, you know, defensively, uh, uh, we were as Ohio state fans, we were excited that James Laurinaitis, uh, was added to the staff that, mm -hmm. uh, since, you know, one of those six April, uh, commitments, uh, was a linebacker, Peyton Pierce out of Texas, who, uh, you know, undeniably was, is, was very influenced by the fact that James Laurinaitis, you know, is, is going to be, uh, on the staff at Ohio state. So. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to necessarily, you know, say like, oh, this guy is going to come in and start or whatever, because it's it's far too early. I mean, we're recording this in April. I mean, we have another eight months before any of these people can put, uh, you know, ink to paper to, you know, make it a truly official. Um, there are, you know, the, the possibility of decommitments is always there. But I, I just like the fact that Ohio State's been very aggressive on the recruiting trail. Um, especially, you know, along the offensive line, because, you know, obviously, like I said, it's something that, um, you know, is definitely something I think Ohio State fans are going to be concerned about throughout the summer. You know, reinforcements are coming, and I think Ryan Day is going to try and make that more of an effort in in not just this recruiting class, but in future recruiting classes. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get out of here, Chip, just want to talk a little bit about the college football rule changes that have uh, recently been, uh, well, expected to speed up college football games. There's been some some uh, some changes enacted that I think, first of all, I don't see a problem with college football games being too long. I want more college football. Give me more. Don't give me less. Don't shrink my product. That's like when Quiznos started making her subs smaller and smaller, and then they went out of business just about everywhere. So uh, don't give me less product for my money. I want the same amount of product. So uh, one of the things they've talked about doing is running the clock after first downs. They don't have that stopped. Uh, you know, clock doesn't stop after a first down, which is going to take some getting used to because that was a unique rule to college. It wasn't a pro rule, but it made the ends of games more exciting. I thought, and maybe I'm mistaken. I thought that it was going to, the, the clock would run after a first down with the exception of like the final two minutes of the half. I thought that I saw that little cap. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm it, you're right. It, that is, that is the, the, the change, but you know, you could be down two, three scores with five minutes left and you know, you don't get the benefit of those those final five minutes. Now you just have the benefit of the final two minutes. That's a good point. 
So some of those big time rallies that we've seen, they're not going to happen anymore. Um, you got to be within, you know, basically a score late to have a chance with the, with this rule change. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of excitement out of some games. I think um, maybe it makes sense for some people, but for me, eh, I was fine with it being the way it was. Teams may no longer call consecutive timeouts, which is going to be good when, you know, it's the end of the game. They're lined up for a kick and you got three timeouts left and it's like ice to kicker, ice to kicker, ice to kicker. Right. Well, I, again, I can't see this as being such a huge time saver. I mean, it's it, no. to me, I, I, I think, again, I think they're, they're looking for, you know, they're, they're looking for justification of something that the reality is it's like, you know, like, I don't think either, the, the the first rule change that you mentioned or this one, I don't think these were like the big time issues um, that were, were confronting college football. Once again, people love to come up with a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I just, what would, I think would, would be amazing would be instead of, for one thing, okay, you and I both know, and I'm just going to use, you know, as an example, like, okay, like the game is supposed to start at 12, but it doesn't start at 12. Like it actually, you know, like by the time the game is kicked off, it's, you know, like 1210 or something along those lines. And of course, what do, what do they do right after the opening kickoff? We have to go to commercial. Well, wouldn't it be great if we actually not only started the game on time, but we didn't go right to commercial. And I understand I'm living in a fool's paradise. Yes, you are. That, that okay, like I understand why we have the commercials, but, you know, that's the that's the issue is that we have far too many commercials for the games. And what they should be doing is instead of, you know, cutting away from the games, like just have the commercials, you know, like on, I don't know, like maybe like a small split screen during the game, I wouldn't be happy, you know, not being able to necessarily see and hear the game completely unobstructed, but I would take that versus the the minutes on up upon minutes wasted on commercials that I don't want to see. Yeah. I'm money talks really, but, uh, and that's, that's why it's not going away because we have railed so long for the, the abolition of the, you know, you get a, you get a, a touchdown and then it goes to commercial. You come back, you kick off and then it goes back to commercials. Like, right come on. <laughs> exactly. That's we what I'm saw, saying. We saw, we saw a guy kick the ball and the other guy at the other end, let the ball go out of the back of the end zone. And now we have to go back to commercial. That's what I'm saying. It's like, let's look for the, let's look for the true culprit. If we're, we're trying to save time. Yeah. There are other ways to incorporate sponsorships into games that don't include leaving the game. Exact. Well, you're more the of the the soccer person than I am. I mean, from what I understand, isn't it possible that like during you know like soccer games, like they don't they don't stop games. You know, like mm-hmm. and I'm thinking more along the international. I don't know if that's if, if here domestically if that's the case. Yeah, it's. Well, I don't know. Forty five minutes and plus stoppage time, and then you you got halftime, and then you get your commercials. And then you play another half and again, there's no commercials and sometimes they'll do little ad spots or put a little, you know, they'll, they'll have uh, the announcer say something. They'll put a little logo up or something, you know, or sometimes it's on the score bug if the game is sponsored by somebody or whatever, but there's ways to do that 
NASCAR races have, have gone to a side-by-side where they're showing the race on the left and showing the ad on the right. These are things that can be done. See, they need to listen to this podcast. That's what we need to do. I think everybody does. (laughs) Not just Ryan day. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, All right. And then the other one is that any penalty that occurs at the end of the first or third quarter carries over to the next quarter, instead of ending the quarter on an untimed down uh, and either half cannot end on a defensive penalty, unless it's declined by the opposing team. I think I lived for the untimed down chip. I did. <laughs> I, it, nothing yeah. gave me more pleasure than going free play. We get an extra free play in this uh, game. That's true. It's that's like true. finding French fries in the bottom of your McDonald's bag after you've already eaten all your French fries. That That's a good analogy right there. That's a really good analogy. So anyway, if it, if it ain't broke, people just love to fix things. <laughs> exactly well i i'm you know it's it's one of these things where you know like you said they're 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 trying to they're trying to solve something that there there was no there, no problem now granted i think the the ex, the solutions that we've come up with would address the concerns that they have about the length of, of the game on television but of course like I said, living in a fool's paradise about them possibly eliminating or reducing the number of commercials. I'm not going to hold my breath. All right, Chip. Well, that should just about do it for the April 2023 edition of the Silver Bullets podcast. We are, of course, a monthly in uh, in the off season, as uh, you and I are not big recruiting guys. There's not a lot going on in the off season for us to talk about every single week. Now, some podcasts might like to go two, three times a week and just focus on one thing. And sometimes it's not even something that has, has happened. It's just something that it's just a topic. It's like a theoretical, but you know, you and I are too busy for that. Exactly. We got stuff exactly. to do. We do. <laughs> so uh, if you want more silver bullets, please let us know. We'll see what we can do. But uh, we feel like once a month in the off season is probably sufficient um, unless we, you know, if we come across somebody that, uh, will come on for an interview, we'll, we'll pop in and do a second one. So there's that, but, uh, there's, uh, there's really no reason for us to, to go too deeply into recruiting because it's not our area of expertise. We don't have the time or at our age, the energy to keep up with it. And, uh, you know, anybody that these guys bring in, we just feel like they're probably pretty good. You're, you, I think you, you summarize it very well. And anyway, what you recruit and whoever you get to sign, that's what you got to work with anyway. So make it work. There's been a lot of good teams that didn't have the top recruits on the, on those teams. So uh, somehow teams find a way to get it done. I mean, look what TCU accomplished this past year. Exactly. All right, Chip, where can people find you on the interwebs? Well, I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Um, as long as Twitter is is still breathing and existing, um, <laughs> you, you can look for me there. Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H, and I am a contributor to Land Grant Holy Land. So look for an article from me every Friday, dropping around 12 p.m. Eastern. I, to the best of my knowledge, I am still a contributor to Athlon Sports. Again, <laughs> since it's the off season, since the off season, things can change. Um, so sometimes you can find some of my articles there as well. All right. To the best of my knowledge, you are as well. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter 
also until Twitter implodes, which could happen at any moment. Uh, at Mike 36 fan is my handle. You can also follow the silver bullets podcast at silver bullets pod with no E in silver S I L V R bullets pod on Twitter. You can email us at silver bullets pod with the E in it silver, the normal way bullets pod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, you know, give us, uh, give us your, your email comment card as it were like, like you're visiting an Arby's and you got a comment card on the table. Let us know how we're doing and how we can better serve you. Uh, you can find me at land grant, Holy land. Of course, uh, my columns generally run on Monday afternoons around lunchtime. So look for me then. And, uh, of course our podcasts, they go live whenever. And, uh, and then we write a post about it and those go live usually on a Tuesday. So, uh, that's how you find us. And of course we're monthly now, but in the season or come August, We'll go back to weekly and you'll hear from us every week. Looking forward to it. Like I said, a long, long, long uh, four months. You'll hear from us every week is how weekly. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) All right. We're getting goofy. So let's get out of here. Uh, Thanks for listening. Uh, Please rate, review, and uh, share, subscribe, do all the things that you can do for free that cost you nothing that can they all help us out we would appreciate it and we'll see you next time we'll see you in the month of may until then the only thing left for us to do chip is to say go bucks go bucks